Welcome to the Love Life Podcast, episode number two, Emotions as Your Superpower. It's December 6th, 2020. I am your host, Lisa A. Lundy, where I help you be well-loved, happy, and healthy, even when life is very hard. As for my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy or legal advice in any way, and the music for this podcast is by Howie Moskovich. Thank you for joining me. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to talk to you on this episode two of Emotions as Your Superpower, because emotions really can be, if you know how to harness them, a major, major superpower. If you listen to my first podcast, Be Well Loved, hopefully you're going to put and have to be well loved as your overreaching number one goal in the for the rest of your life. And this podcast on learning how to use your emotions or having your emotions as a superpower will completely serve you being well-loved. Now, I did talk a little bit about emotional intelligence in the first podcast. I'm not going to be repeating that information, but going on a little bit further. But before we dive in and before I just kind of outline what we're going to cover today, I want to give you some statistics and information about the relevance of being able to deal with your emotions primarily in the workplace. So one fact is, according to the World Economic Forum's Future of Jobs report, emotional intelligence will be one of the top 10 job skills in 2020, making it obviously very important. A separate statistic is that 75% of employers said they are more likely to promote a worker with high emotional intelligence. Also, it's widely known that people with high emotional intelligence or emotional quotient make approximately $29,000 more annually than people with low emotional intelligence. Statistics from Harvard, Stanford, and Carnegie and the Carnegie Foundation show that that 85 to 87% of our success accounts for what they call soft skills, including emotional intelligence and personal skills. And lastly, emotional intelligence is responsible for about 58% of your performance. So having emotions as a superpower and really knowing what and how to do them and how to use them can really positively impact your life. So what are we going to cover today? So today I'm going to talk about what do I mean by emotions as a superpower. I'm going to touch on just a little bit more about emotional intelligence that I didn't speak to in the first podcast. I'm going to talk about the emotions we're weak in, uh, a few of the benefits of emotional intelligence. I'm going to give you an interesting example from my own life on growing my own emotional intelligence. Ha ha, I hope you'll find it humorous. And I'm going to give you the steps to actually begin to harness your emotions as a superpower. And lastly, I'll get into um, some actions that I'd like you to take. 
So before I start, I want to give a shameless plug to my Year of Freedom giveaway. On my blog site, www.lisaalundy.com, you can enter a giveaway going on through July 2021 to win some really cool stuff. So why not? And my other disclaimer is that I am not a medical health professional or therapist in any way. If you are suicidal, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. I'm asking if you're suicidal or thinking about suicide, that you talk to someone, that you tell someone how you're feeling, and that you get help immediately. You can watch my videos and read my blog posts, and I'm certainly here to help you get things turned around, but I'm in no position to offer you medical, legal, or health advice in any way. All I have is practical wisdom that I've learned through the school of hard knocks. So let's dive in. What do I mean by emotions are a superpower? Well, let's stop for a minute and say, well, what is life without emotions? If you don't have emotions, it's almost, almost like you're in a coma. You want to think about a trauma or accident victim or someone else through whatever means has lost their ability to communicate or to be conscious in life. So they're kind of like emotionless due to an accident, trauma, coma, or what have you. Emotions are without a doubt, without a doubt, one of the most important aspects of being human. Now, when you think about a superpower, think about all the superheroes that you've watched in different sh shows. And what do they do when they learn they have a superpower? Like I'm thinking about Spider-Man or Batman learning to fly. Like they all have to start. Like they, they don't know how to use their superpower because they're beginners. So they have to figure, you know, Spider-Man has to figure out how to shoot the webbing from his hands and, you know, the Bionic Man, if you even remember that show, had to learn how to use his limbs and bionic hearing, etc. So superheroes have to learn how to harness and use their superpower. And likewise, emotions are just like that. You have to learn how to navigate the field of emotions. Because I'm telling you, you are either, you are either in control of your emotions or you are operating in life at the whim of your emotions. Emotions are one of the big reasons that people get taken out of the game of life. Emotions stop people, emotions overwhelm people, emotions do all kinds of damage unnecessarily. So unidentified, unmanaged, and unprocessed emotions leave people tired. It leaves people in a, in a state of overwhelm or depressed or filled with anxiety or in any other number of ways unable to function or function fully. So it's very commonplace that we do not know how to use and deal with our emotions. It's just very common. And once you accept that it's extremely common, you don't need to feel bad, you don't need to feel embarrassed, you don't need to be ashamed or hiding the fact that you're learning a new skill or ability, because it is extremely likely that most of the people in your life and surrounding you don't have those skills either. So what I'm talking about then is like when you learn to drive, you have to learn new things. I'm talking about learning about emotions because they really are a superpower. 
and a superpower that you can have mastery and control over. So I want to touch base about the backstory for emotional intelligence. So when we talk about emotions, which is a very large category, there's an umbrella called emotional intelligence or emotional quotients, quotient. And the, the man who t- typically gets the credit for emotional intelligence or emotional quotient, which by the way, those terms are interchangeable, is a man by the name of Daniel Goleman who wrote a book in the early 1990s on emotional intelligence and emotional quotient. So when I say emotional intelligence or I say emotional quotient, what I'm talking about is how smart you are with your emotions. Everybody seems to understand that IQ means how smart you are book-wise and learning-wise. Well, emotional intelligence or emotional quotient is how smart you are with your emotions. It's become much more popular since Mr. Goldman's book in the early 1990s, but it's still not a mainstay construct or idea in our society. So according to uh, Daniel Goldman, and he actually got the idea for emotional intelligence or emotional quotient from two different, um, I think they were psychologists from different universities that had written some uh, white papers or research articles on that. But there's basically five components to emotional intelligence. The first one is self-awareness, and that involves how we see ourselves in a true reality, not being distorted. It involves being awake and aware, knowing our own goals, behaviors, values, and who we are as individual people. That's self-awareness. Very important. I'm going to talk more a little bit more about that. Self-regulation is the second category under the emotional intelligence components, and it means managing our emotions and controlling unproductive behaviors. I would, I would assert it's self-mastery and self-discipline. The third category is mo- a component is motivation. That's going after what we want in life, which hopefully for you listeners is to be well loved. I hope you're going to all take on that because that's cool. But going after what you want in life with passion, energy, persistence, and tenacity. The next component is empathy, meaning an awareness of how others feel, their needs, their concerns. And the last component is social skills, managing relationships, and building networks. Now, if you go online to research emotional intelligence or emotional quotient, you can find the Harvard Business Review online lists that there's 12 components of emotional intelligence. And basically, between you and I, they've added some work-related categories like adaptability, achievement orientation, positive outlook, et cetera, et cetera. So regardless of how you look at it, there's tons of information and it's really, really important. So let's look at emotions and which emotions are we really weak in because this is where you're going to want to work on developing these areas because if emotions are your superpower and I am telling you they are your superpower where are you weak well most people are really good about being happy right it's easy to be happy you don't need coaching or advice on how to be happy you're just happy or you're joyful or you're peaceful or you're contented or you're you know you don't need help with those emotions so the emotions that the predominant number of people in society are not very good at includes anger sadness grief betrayal or resentment forgiveness Gratitude. Now, I realize gratitude kind of falls under the the happy umbrella, but we 
don't have a lot of people who have a very strong muscle and gratitude or being authentic and real, having integrity and shock. Now, I'm just going to side note and say, well, I've been working and harnessing my emotions as a superpower for a long time. I'm still not very good at shock. So when people shock me, I either say nothing or I'll say, oh, okay. Or I'll say the first thing that comes out of my mouth because I just really haven't had, thankfully, tons of opportunities to practice my response to shock. So I covered in the Be Well Love first episode some major benefits of emotional intelligence. From a November 2019 blog post, I listed 45 ways that emotional intelligence will power up your life and give you benefit. But since this is a separate podcast, I'm not going to repeat what I already said, but just to give you an idea. So if you go to work to hone your abilities with your emotions, to have it actually be a superpower, you are going to, it was going to help you be well loved. So hopefully you all want to be well loved. Um, It's going to help you let love in. It's going to help you give love. It's going to help you with happiness, freedom. There's many psychological and health benefits that will certainly help you be more vulnerable and connect with people. There are just major benefits. Now, Before I get into how you're going to grow your emotional skills, I thought I would just take a little side journey here and expose myself and be vulnerable with you guys about my own growth and development in growing my emotional ability. So back in the early 1990s, I was working on growth and development and kind of doing some fun stuff. And I learned, much to my surprise, that I had these five not-so-hot traits. I mean, they are not good. I'm going to tell you what they are, but this was part of me in my emotional intelligence, growing my emotions, becoming self-aware. So I became aware that I could come across as, all right, you ready for this? Wait for it. As righteous, judgmental, opinionated, arrogant and a know-it-all. I know. How bad is that? It's terrible. (laughs) Ouch, right? Well, guess what? There's tons of people who are righteous, judgmental, opinionated, arrogant, and know-it-all. They just don't know that they come across as being righteous, judgmental, arrogant, or a know-it-all or opinionated. So it's not really horrible. I mean, I'm just kind of like everybody else, except that once I became aware that I had those tendencies or the ability to come across that way or to be that way, I could just become peaceful and I could accept that this is just part of who I am. And like, it's not bad. It's not great. Okay, it's not great for attracting friends, but apparently I'm not always all those things because I've always had lots of friends. So what I learned was that the more I accepted and embraced that I could come across or in any moment be righteous, judgmental, opinionated, arrogant, or a know-it-all, the less it seemed to have a hold on me. So I just kind of really accepted that that's part of who I am and didn't make it like all this like terrible trauma. And many years later, about roughly 12 years later in 2003, I had joined Toastmasters International and I I gave my icebreaker speech, which I called the good, the bad, and the ugly about Lisa Lundy. 
So the, in case you don't know, the icebreaker speech in Toastmasters International is all about you. You can basically say anything you want. It's four to six minutes. You can divulge or reveal anything you want about yourself. It's pretty, it's a pretty basic speech. So in my icebreaker speech, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I included, guess what? Yeah, I know you guessed it. I included that I was righteous, judgmental, opinionated, arrogant, and a know-it-all. Because I thought, well, why not? I've accepted this about myself, and it's not the best thing, but it is what it is. And the club members, now I was a new member, so I didn't know all these people very well. They were roaring. And I'm standing up there giving my speech, and they are just laughing so hard. I'll never forget it. And I'm, I went on with my speech, but I can remember standing there thinking, oh my gosh, what are they laughing at? Like, what is so funny? I can't even think of anything that I said that could have possibly been so funny because it wasn't funny. <laughs> but at any rate, I was flustered, but I got through the speech. And after the speech, a few of the club members, like three, came up to me to congratulate me for completing my icebreaker speech. And and so I took the opportunity to kind of take them aside and say, well, okay, you know, why, why were you laughing so hard? Like, what was so funny? And I remember one guy looked at me and just said, there is absolutely no way that you are righteous, judgmental, opinionated, or any of that stuff you said. There's absolutely no possible way. So, of course, we knew you were joking. <laughs> I said, oh, no, I'm not joking. And it went on. So, anyway. So, hmm. I assert the more that you can embrace your good and bad qualities, the less they're going to own you, the less they're going to control you. So do I still have opportunities or instances where I can be any of those things? Well, of course I do. Hopefully I've grown in my humility ability. So I'm way less arrogant, hopefully. And, uh, you know, Hopefully, I've tempered some of those, but I own those. And I don't mean like as a badge of honor or a badge of courage. I mean, I really appreciate myself, and that includes appreciating some things about me that aren't exactly so great. So the difference is that once I accepted my not-so-great traits in my self-awareness self-awareness falling under the emotional intelligence category, they just stopped running the show. They didn't like disappear forever, but they really just don't show up like they used to. So I hope you enjoyed that little sidebar story because becoming self-aware just doesn't have to be bad. Like you don't have to have everything be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to find out I'm a horrible person. You go to work on growing your emotional skills and abilities. You are not going to find out you're a horrible person. Now, if you're a horrible person and you actually do bad stuff to people, you need to stop that immediately. It's not serving you in any way. So now I want to get into some steps to help you begin on the journey of harnessing your emotions as the superpower that they actually are. So number one, you're going to become awake and aware. You're going to become awake and aware. And I have a blog post about being awake and aware. And I have a video about being awake and aware. But the first aspect of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. 
So you're going to like start to notice how do you feel at any given moment? What are you doing with your life? What are you doing in life? You're going to start observing yourself and you're going to start observing others. And you're going to start noticing how do other people in your life feel? How do other people in your life perceive you? How are you perceived? And I want to talk a little bit more about that in, in, a, in a couple minutes. You're going to start, hopefully, to talk to people and engage with people. There's quite a bit to become awake and aware in life. And it's really, really going to be helpful. And I think it's, like, a very powerful way to live. Obviously, I've been continuing it forever. The next thing that's going to be amazing to help you with growing your emotional abilities is to increase your emotional vocabulary. So I have uh, several YouTube videos on my channel about developing your emotional abilities. But to start, you want to increase your emotional vocabulary. Why? Because we live in a world that's given by language. When you lose your ability to speak or to communicate with other people, life as you know it is over. It's really just unbelievable. So we do live in a world that's given by language, but we really don't have the emotional vocabulary to have our emotions be as a superpower. So I'm going to walk you through a process that you can take on if you choose and of course I hope you will that by the way I did with my children a very long time ago and um, they didn't particularly like it but it was extremely valuable and it will help them so I'm going to recommend that you go to the internet and print out an emotional vocabulary or a feeling handout from the web there's tons of therapy sites and websites that have them I have one that's from the TomDrummond.com, which is free. You can and download and print it. But I want you to listen to the difference in the feelings for the word upset. So we have words that we commonly use all the time, like, oh, I'm upset or I'm just angry. But there's a big difference in intensity and meaning when you look at the word upset. So, for example, the word upset could mean that you're angry. It could mean that you're fearful. It could mean you're hurt, lonely, sad, or depressed. They are very different things. But we use the word upset more often than not, or sometimes we just use the word angry, but we're really something else. So that's like, it gives you the flavor that pinpointing your emotions is very different. So when someone says generically, well, I'm just upset, it could mean a lot of different things. Now, I want you to listen to the difference between the feeling intensities for the for the feeling anger. So under anger, and if you look at one of the vocabulary word sheets or feeling word sheets, they'll have intensities, you know, medium, light, strong. So for anger, some of the different intensities include fuming, outraged, grouchy, dismayed, um, irate, or resentful. And they these give you a different picture. When someone says, I'm fuming, or I'm just dismayed, there are two different things. So when I did this with my children, uh, they had to, I know I should just not admit some things about myself, but why not? So when my children were young, we printed out the emotional vocabulary word sheets, and for any situation, 
they had to, including when they were happy sometimes, by the way, they had to pick three different vocabulary words to capture what they were feeling in the moment, which as you can imagine for young people, young children, that was a little annoying. But being a parent, and luckily they were as young as they were, they might not have done it if they were older, they did do it. And it was just fascinating because, you know, sometimes they weren't really, so they were upset, but they really weren't angry or fuming. They were, you know, lonely or they were fearful. So it was extremely valuable. And and eventually as they got older and we kept doing it, then one of them said to me one day, okay, is this three feeling words for each situation? Is that arbitrary? Did you just make that up? Or is there some methodology behind the three? And I was kind of like, oop, busted. No, there's no methodology. I just picked randomly picked the number three. I think three is a good number, by the way, but you can do it however you want. I would, if you're a parent, oh my gosh, I would definitely do this with your children immediately and make a game out of it. Like have fun with it. I'm a huge fan of fun and anything I do in life, I try to make fun. So growing your emotional abilities is a superpower begins with you being able to use appropriate language to pinpoint the emotions. And other than doing it the way I suggested, I just am not aware personally of how else you could grow your emotional vocabulary. But I think what I just laid out, well, clearly it works and why not? The next suggestion for you as you're hopefully on this journey to have a superpower, meaning your emotions. So number three is is to be present. Now, many people aren't really familiar with what being present means, and they so they just don't understand what I'm talking about. So I'm going to try to give you the, the lowdown on being present. So being present, when I say be present, I mean be in the moment. Be like in the now, right here, right now. Not thinking about something else. Not thinking about whatever you're going to do next, not thinking about what you're going to say when somebody stops talking, like what you're going to say next. It's just doing nothing but being with whoever you're being with or doing whatever you're doing. And between you and me, it's it's just magical. I think it's magical. Now, I will remember, I'll never forget, the first time I heard the term being present. It was like, I don't know, 2008 or nine. And I, I was like, oh, what is that? What does that mean? Of course, because, you know, I'm awake and aware. So I hear things and I go, oh, what is that? I don't know what that is. And the people I was with just started like laughing hysterically. So I'm like, hmm, okay, well, what's the joke? Because I don't get it. <laughs> They're like, yeah, you don't get it because you walk around in life being present. That's just what you do. You don't even know you do it, but that's what you do. And I was like, okay, well, that's great, but I still don't understand what it is. So they helped me understand this whole phenomenon of being present, which apparently I've been doing forever and didn't know that there was a term. So being present is very freeing. It will absolutely help you get connected with love and being well-loved and will help you with your job and everything else because... It's powerful. And like many other things, if you haven't been walking around life being present, 
it's going to be a new idea or a new concept or a new phenomenon for you. So you might have to do a little practice. All right, the fourth step in my suggestions for getting on the road to honing your emotions as a superpower is to start to recognize in the moment, moment by moment, how you are feeling and pinpoint it. And I obviously don't mean with just generics like, well, I'm just angry or I'm just upset. No, I mean to really start to become self-aware, you need to be able to have the vocabulary to pinpoint not only the general feeling, but the intensity, which the vocabulary feeling sheet will help you do. All right, next up, I recommend that you make a game out of it. I'm a huge fan of games, and I play all kinds of games in life, of which I'm not sure I should probably tell you some of them, but I am a fan of games. And you can make almost anything into a game. I mean, oh my gosh, one time I made how long we could make a ro one roll of paper towels last as a game, which, by the way, with five people was 18 days. Make it up. Be creative. Why not? This is a superpower you want to have in life. And most people listening to this podcast probably are going to have a little work to do. So why not make it fun and make a game out of it? Next up, I am a huge fan of reward systems. So my sixth step here is that you implement a personal reward system or as they call it, level up. When you level up, you're going to set up some rewards for yourself. Why? Because rewards are fun. Okay, if the reward isn't fun, you need to go back to the drawing board and get a different reward. And you can do rewards that don't cost money, that are still amazing. You can do a reward system based on anything. And I do have a blog post about having a personal reward system. And I also have a video about a personal reward system. The trick is to really figure out what rewards are going to motivate you and inspire you. That sometimes can be a little tricky, at least based on the people I've coached over the years who have implemented, which is everybody, because of course, if I'm coaching somebody, I want them to stay on track and a reward system properly done will help you stay motivated, will help you be inspired because hopefully you're like, oh yeah, I want to get that reward. I better do my stuff. So people in generally speaking are resistant to change. It's just kind of the way we are as human beings. So having a reward system from the get-go is going to keep you more likely to stay on track. The next thing I highly recommend, number seven, is to start using I statements. We don't necessarily live in a world where everybody uses I statements. And when I say I statements, it means that you're going to start your statements with I, I feel, I think, I believe, I whatever. So it looks like this. I feel angry when you do X, Y, or Z. That's an I statement. Now notice how different that statement is from, from what someone might normally say, which could be, you make me angry. Okay, you make me angry is very different than I feel angry when you do X, Y, or Z. They're completely different in the impact and how they land. In one sentence, I feel angry when you do X, Y, or Z. You're taking ownership that this is how you feel. And you're giving them feedback when they do X, Y, or Z. 
So using I statements is, is a nice way to kind of slide into this and start practicing where you're using, you're owning your feelings and you're owning your beliefs or your values or your positions. Next up, something else I'm a big fan of is either put together a team or get a buddy. Why? Because just life is more fun when you have a partner in crime. Oh my goodness. It just is way more fun. Now, if you don't know anybody that you could ask to be on a team or you don't have somebody you could ask to, to buddy up or you don't want people to know you're working on harnessing your emotions as the superpower that they are, then maybe it's time to make new friends. And I have a whole series of videos on making friends and friendship on my YouTube channel and I have a blog post about making friends and how to do it, tips on how to do it and get started and why it's the thing to do. But when you have a team or at least a buddy, then you're, you've just increased your chances of success exponentially. And hopefully when you have a partner in crime or buddy, you're going to have more fun. Like I'm just a big fan of not doing things by myself if I can help it. So I highly suggest you take at least one person along the ride with you because it will help them and it will definitely help you. So the next thing on my suggestion list for growing your emotions as a superpower is to start to ask yourself and start to wonder, to become awake and aware, how am I perceived by others? Now, I'm going to say that this particular aspect needs to be done with extreme caution. I mean, extreme caution, and I'll give you an example in a minute here. Because unhealthy people, people who are unhealthy mentally, are gonna have more likely, or often, a distorted view of you or your behaviors, or they might have a distorted view of you, you and your behaviors. Healthy people will have a different view of you and your behaviors than an unhealthy person more than likely. And then there's family versus non-family. That can be a very mixed bag depending on the level of dysfunctionality in your family of origin, which when I say family of origin, I mean your birth family, your parents and your siblings. So you might get a very disempowering and inaccurate view of yourself depending upon whom you ask. So this is something you're going to have to sort out over time. And the example I want to give you about this, so way back in the day, I'm always working on growing and developing myself because I think it's fabulous. I think it's remarkable. I think it's fun. Like, why would I not want to do something that I get value from and enjoy? But back in the early days when I was, you know, embarking on this, like, who am I and, you know, my self-awareness. I started talking to people in my life about how I was perceived. And it was very interesting because several people remarked that I was kind of aggressive. And I was like, oh, wow. And what I realized after lots of introspection and actually also many conversations is that people who are not assertive, People who are very passive don't necessarily have a good gauge for assertiveness because they're passive. And so, you know, there's a there's the distinction in assertiveness, passive versus assertive versus aggressive or passive aggressive. 
And so as I had these conversations with people, we, we got it sorted out. And the people who were very passive and lacked any type of assertiveness thought I was aggressive, but that's because they really didn't have any idea of assertiveness. So when I say, how are you perceived by others? You really have to go into that with great caution because someone who has no skills, for example, in assertiveness and is very passive, might think someone who's assertive is actually aggressive when that might not be the case. But in general, you know, it's not doesn't hurt to really start to engage in how are you perceived by others. The next thing that I recommend, which is number t- 10 here, is to start learning how to deal with emotional pain. Emotional pain is the umbrella under which most of the negative, embro- embro- negative emotions fall. For example, anger, grief, loss, sadness. And as a society, we are the worst at emotional pain. We numb emotional pain. There's addictions for emotional pain. There's all kinds of stuff people do with emotional pain that isn't helpful and it's not healthy because we just don't know what to do with it. We haven't gotten any training. Well, what do you do? Well, by the way, lots of blog posts and videos about what to do with loss, emotional pain, grief, anger, sadness. And the reason I'm encouraging you to really hunker down on the emotional pain is because Oftentimes, people will have stealth emotions. So, for example, anger often goes in what I call stealth mode. So when I say anger going into stealth mode, it's like you don't really recognize that you're angry or that you should be angry or it's appropriate to be angry or something else. And that's very common in our society because we have... So many people, okay, 70 to 96% of Americans grew up in a dysfunctional family. So that means they didn't see good role models. They They didn't learn things that you might have learned in a healthier family. And for many people in a dysfunctional family, they weren't allowed to be angry or sometimes they weren't allowed to be sad. The reason that anger is so, so I have a blog post about anger and the healing nature of anger and a video as well. But anger is one of those things that can actually be the underlying cause of depression. Anger, when you don't deal with anger, it doesn't just magically float away or disappear. Anger, typically unaddressed, unrecognized, either goes inward or it goes outward. When it goes inward, it can show up as like self-harm, or self-sabotage, or addictions, or not taking care of yourself, or depression. I mean, you know, anger going inward can show up a lot of different ways. And anger going outward can show up as, you know, aggressive behavior, or passive-aggressive behaviors, or just aggressive behaviors, being mean, being unkind, road rage. There's just a lot of ways that anger going outward can show up. And it's one of those things that if you're not dealing with sadness or anger or, you know, having a loss or grief, that's not going to help you. You know, the grief or the sadness just isn't going to magically, you know, go away. These are emotions and you need to deal with them. And these are the emotions that are hardest for most people. And so that means this has the most power for you. Now, I didn't start learning about anger until well, I was over 30. Um, 
And so, you know, anger is amazing. Anger's not bad. It's just that we're bad at handling anger. So anger comes out as passive aggressive or it comes out, you know, as people being mean because they can't really just be awake and aware or self-aware and recognize, you know, I'm just angry. I had a bad day and I'm taking it out on people. So I highly recommend you start dealing with the emotions, the negative emotions that fall under emotional pain. Next up, number 11, I recommend that you like take a look at some emotional intelligence information on the web. All of my blog posts are coming out in a book or out in a book, so you can read that, but you can read my blog posts for free. They're all free on the web. There's other books. There's tons of free stuff. This is something you want to harness and grow, so why not read about it in your free time because it's fascinating. The other thing you can do next up, number 12, is you can take an online emotional intelligence test. They're free. Now, I don't know how long they are now, but back in the day, like, well, let's see, you know, like, I don't know, 15 or more, whenever, a long time ago, they, they were free. They're still free. I did look at that, but they were very long tests, like took over an hour. And I think that there might be more condensed versions now that don't take an hour but way back in the day, they were very extensive and they asked repetitive questions differently to see that you got, you know, you were trying to cheat the test. So the, the next thing up on and the last step that I have on my suggestions for how you to grow your emotions as a superpower is to celebrate that you're on this journey. And I mean, celebrate this in a meaningful way. I am a huge fan of celebrating every success every milestone and every event or opportunity that you can. Why not? Life is hard. We know life is hard. Even before we had a pandemic, life is hard. So why would you not celebrate everything that you can? I actually have a video about that. And I'm always celebrating things with people in my life because why would you not? I don't know why you wouldn't, but yes, you should celebrate yourself. And I mean like celebrate it. All right, so next I want to cover my call to action because, of course, I want you to get in action. So you're surrounded, most likely, almost predictably, by the majority of people who don't have high emotional intelligence. They're just not, they haven't harnessed their emotions as a superpower. So that's what's predictable based on society and life and what we know about people. So this is what you want to do. You want to have this amazing, rich life and having your emotions be a superpower is the thing. Because if you don't have your emotions as a superpower, then guess what? You are at the whim of your emotions. Your emotions are running the show. Your emotions are dictating and controlling your life and you don't want that. So my request is that you get on this journey because it's really cool and share this podcast with someone. I mean, you want to bring people on the road because what's going to help you is having people who are also growing their emotional vocabulary and learning. You can share this podcast on social media and to, to share what you're doing, that you take this on like it matters. I'm telling you, you want to be well-loved in life. What else would you want other than to know that you are well-loved? And how could you possibly be well-loved if you have no emotional abilities? It's like being bankrupt. Yes, okay, you're good at being happy, but life isn't always happy. So you want to grow your skills and abilities. And my last call to action is that you let me know what you need. I mean, the blog posts on my 
website, www.lisaalundy.com, put into a book, which just come out, came out, it's 462 pages. It's all there for free. of over 118 YouTube videos. So there's lots of free information, but I want you to get on this journey because I want you to have an amazing life and it's possible for you. But the likelihood of you having an amazing and rich life is much higher if you have emotional skills and ability. So I hope you got some value and thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Love Life Podcast, Emotions as Your Superpower, Episode 2. I hope you got great value and that you're going to start honing and developing your emotions as a superpower because it is so incredible. I'd like to help you have a better, happier life where you're well-loved, so please feel free to connect with me on my website at www.lisaalundy.com or on my YouTube channel where you'll find tons of videos that you can laugh at and hopefully get some value from. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a great day.